When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson, and I'm excited about tonight's program because this has become a tradition around Christmas time, holiday time. Jeff Belanger, good friend, great friend of the paranormal community, is going to be our guest tonight. And we're going to talk about Christmas folklore and legends like the Krampus or Der Belschnickel. And these things are, you know, we often think of Christmas being, you know, all fluffy and fun. Um, These legends are not so much fun. They're actually kind of nasty. And uh, we're going to get into that with uh, with Jeff Belanger tonight, and I'm really excited about it because it's become a lot of fun to do this every year. I think this might be the third third year we've done it, right? I'll have to ask Jeff, but I think it's the third year we've done it. So I'm excited to do that. We'll bring Jeff in, of course, after the first break. I want you to take the time to go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Just go to YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson. When you find it, just hit the subscribe button. There's no obligation. There's no fee. There's nothing. It just makes you part of our YouTube community, which we're anxious to have you be part of. That's where our chat room is. We have a great archive of back episodes there, plus the show streams live there every night. If there isn't a radio station in your marketplace carrying the show, it'll be on YouTube live, streaming live Um, for you to enjoy. Uh, Looking ahead, tomorrow night's another great night here on Beyond Reality Radio. We've got Cindy McGill joining us. You remember Cindy? She's been here before. Cindy is a master dream interpreter, and she's going to take your phone calls and help you unlock what your dreams are telling you. This is always a very popular topic because we all have those very odd dreams. Sometimes they're related to a tragic incident. Sometimes they just come out of nowhere. Sometimes uh, they're related to someone who you have an interest in, right? I mean, there's all sorts of weird dreams that we have. And Cindy McGill will help us navigate that. Thursday night's program, Lon Stickler will be here. Excuse me, that's Strickler. And he's a Fortean researcher. He's uh, an author, and he'll talk about winged humanoids that have been seen around Chicago, as well as talk about alien disclosure. Now, um, Every time we talk about these winged humanoid creatures, I immediately think of the Mothman because they resemble that description. And uh, I'm fascinated with the Mothman story, so this ought to be a great night and a great conversation. That's Thursday night's program. Friday, of course, will be a best of. And then on Monday, Colin Dickey will be here. He's an author and a speaker. He'll talk about the age-old tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas. He also has books on ghosts, aliens, and the unexplained. So a lot of great stuff coming up on Beyond Reality Radio. Hey gang, it's JV here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Beyond Reality Radio. Some of you are new to the program, and some of you have been with us for years. And no matter if you're interested in ghosts, the UFO phenomenon, conspiracy discussions, or any of the other topics we explore on this program, we do it for you. 
Our goal here is to help find answers to some of the world's most enduring mysteries. And as we continue to bring you interviews and discussions each night, it's important that we get your feedback and even more importantly, your support. The media landscape is forever changing, and as it does, we need to be able to change with it. That's why it's important for you right now to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Once on YouTube, just search for JV Johnson. You'll find it there. Subscribe. It's all free, and it'll make you part of our global community. In addition, Beyond Reality Radio is available as a podcast. Go to your favorite podcast platform and search for Beyond Reality Radio and subscribe there as well. And finally, we have an archive program that you may enjoy as well. This show can be found on major podcast platforms, and it's called Beyond Reality Paranormal. By supporting us in one or all of those places, you can be sure we'll be able to continue to deliver quality shows to you, no matter what form the media landscape takes. As a paranormal historian, I promise you the best and most entertaining conversations as we continue to hunt for the truth. Tonight's guest is a premier researcher and paranormal investigator. He's also a noted TV host and personality. He's an honored radio and podcast host. He's an accomplished musician and author. Of course, I'm talking about good friend Jeff Belanger. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, JV. Great to be back with you. Now, it must be near a holiday. I mean, yeah, it is, right? <laughs> now, I said everything you asked me to, but I still haven't gotten that 20 bucks. I don't know if yeah, it, right, it right. was in the yeah, mail. Or... Yeah, no, I, I feel like we talk at like Halloween and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's always... It's What's the... wrong with Easter? What do you have against Easter? Well, you know, that's going to be that's gonna be one of my questions as we get going here. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this because it has become a bit of a tradition for us here. And, yeah. uh, you know, w- one of the things that I happen to note as we're getting this program started tonight, is that we're going to talk about some rather, and I'll use the word creepy, I'm not sure that completely describes the stories and the folklore and the legend that we're going to talk about, like Krampus, Um, but they're kind of creepy stories, whatever it happens to be, but I couldn't find any creepy Christmas music. It's all pretty cheery. Uh, you know, there's um, oh god, Carol of the Bells. I don't know who it is. I just someone posted it on Facebook. Uh, it's a Krampus song. Oh. Um, it's pretty good. So yeah, it, well, you know the the, the old one. Uh, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales yeah. of the glories of Christmases long, long ago, right? I mean, that's um, that's the one line from the Andy Williams song. Um, that everybody knows. And I remember hearing that as a kid and being like, ghost stories? We never tell ghost stories at Christmas. Um, they used to, and I think we're starting to again. But that's, yeah, you're right. It, it's lacking. It's completely lacking, and it's I, a shame. I think there's a vacuum there. I know I know you're a musician. I play, yeah. I play and sing. We could come up with a nice little album well, here of creepy Christmas songs. You know, I don't know if, how fast we can make this happen, but I did a song a few years ago called "My Christmas Tree Is Haunted." It's a it's a blues <laughs> tune okay. that I, I wrote, and um, my my father in law sang it. My, one of my best friends growing up actually like produced it, and uh, this is my bragging rights for life musically. Uh, I, I put it out every year. I just let people listen to it for free. And a buddy of mine years ago called and said, "Look, I do this annual charity album called Rock for Xmas, and Eddie Money gave us a song, and Cheap Trick gave us a song, and some other bands. Can we use your song?" And wow. I was like, yeah. So, uh, and then there was a concert. I met Eddie Money, God rest his soul. Uh, so Eddie Money was the headliner, and I, I got to meet him backstage. And um, I'm like, well, you know, we, we, we've got a song together on an album, Eddie Money. I mean, <laughs> we're practically colleagues. <laughs> and he just went, ugh, because he was, he was a mess. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I could email it to you, like, right now. You could play it. All right, do I just need 
Yeah, I need an email. Yeah, send it to. Do you have Slick Eddie's email address? Handy? I do. Yes, I'll send it to him. Okay, I can send it to him in like seconds. While, while you talk, I'll that's, get this. That's perfect, and then he can forward it on to me, and uh, we can get this on by the end of the show. That'd be awesome. Um, it's it's always fun to have you on, though, Jeff, and we we get an opportunity not only to have a little bit of uh, of uh, laughter about these topics, but we also learn quite a bit. And I guess the first thing we need to establish because. Um, it's kind of things are changing. There's a little bit of flux going on, but in general, would you say Christmas is creepy? Oh, oh listen, I, people think of me as a Halloween guy traditionally, and I can tell you right now, Christmas has it all over Halloween. Halloween is just a time when the veil between the world of the living and world of the dead is thin, right? There's it's a time for ghosts, but th- ghosts don't generally hurt you. Right. Christmas, Christmas has monsters that will drag you away, drag your children away, take you to a cave and eat you and kill you. Like <laughs> that Halloween doesn't do that, right? <laughs> Halloween's just spooky stuff. Right. Uh, it's it's I mean it's it's nothing you know, compared to Christmas. Halloween just doesn't have it on Christmas. And and because the reason is the time of year. You're talking about the winter solstice. If you go far enough north, the sun doesn't even rise anymore, right. you know, on, on the winter solstice. That is a really scary time. That's a time when people wonder, will it ever come back? And and, and what monsters are out there lurking? And, and, I mean, all these things, right? It's it's such a huge part of the uh, of, of this, this time of year. And it's founded in fear, fear of the, the, the Winter, fear, will I freeze to death? Will I keep my sanity? Will I be able to have enough food to survive? All that stuff is a huge uh, is a huge part of this. Let's talk about Christmas as we kind of see it uh, through the rose-colored glasses that have been provided to us here in, in America anyway. Um, I saw a film title on Netflix, The Man Who Invented Christmas, and I think, yeah. I think it's about Charles Dickens, right? I, I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, did Charles Dickens really define what we know today as, as Christmas and how we observe it? Absolutely. Uh, that, that movie, I love that movie, but I'm a huge Charles Dickens fan. Um, not only did, did Charles Dickens really invent Christmas, he, he took the idea, Christmas was not a big deal. In 1843, when he published A Christmas Carol, a ghost story, by the way, yeah. uh, when he published that, um, it, it really helped define that this is a time for charity, for uh, taking stock of your life, for reaching out to others, for, for being together with family, what it really could mean. But more than anything, that is a story of redemption and the, the redemption that comes when you face your ghosts, when you face maybe even your demons. You know, you look into your past and you, um, you, you, you really, you know, face those things. The story got bigger and bigger every single year. But over in America, you've got to remember, it still was not a big deal. It, it was not um, – Christmas still didn't quite make it here. And, and really, it was Charles Dickens who brought it to America, and he brought it to Boston. And the reason it took so long is because uh, when Charles Dickens first visited America in the 1840s, he got to have dinner at a Baltimore restaurant. And while he was there, he was served dinner by slaves, and he was disgusted by it. He said he realized, I'm now a party to slavery. Just having someone serve me food who's an owned slave disgusted him, and he vowed not to return to America so long as slavery was in place. After the Civil War was over, America's hurting and Charles Dickens knows this, his story, his Christmas carol, is exactly what, what's needed. And so he, he brings it over to Boston 
1867 is, w- is when he arrives in Boston, a place he considered his second home, and he stays at the Parker House Hotel. And he practices reading that story again and again in front of a mirror and performs it to a Boston audience. And one of the uh, people in the audience was so moved by the story he actually gave everyone the day off for Christmas Day. Because back then, you still had to go to work. You still had to go to school on wow. Christmas Day. And he gave everyone the day off and sent everyone home with a turkey. And it's just this, this really cool um, you know, story about um, j- just how it all got started, how it, it got to be such a big deal. And that was really uh, when Christmas had a big turning point in America. It's after the Civil War. We're trying to heal. And, and now Charles Dickens has this story, and it just kind of catches on. And year after year, it just gets bigger and bigger. You know, there's probably not a more creepy image that sticks in my mind than, I'm not sure which of the versions it was. I think it may have been um, the 19, was it 38 version of the f- the film, um, where uh, Scrooge is going home after, um, you know, his, his day at work with Cratchit, and he go- gets to the door, and he goes to open the door, and on his door knocker, the... Uh, yeah. Ghost of uh, Marley, Jacob Marley, Marley, Jacob Marley yeah. Uh, yeah. is superimposed over that door knocker. That haunts me to this day, and I know it's just a movie version of the story, but the image is quite haunting. It is, and it's such a powerful scene uh, in the story because you know everyone thinks of uh, you know thinks of the three ghosts. There are four right. in the story, and Jacob Marley is arguably the most important. He's the one that says, "Look, man, your life is a mess." Where I am, this is where you were seven years ago, this very night, yeah. and, and I've pro- I've procured this chance for you, this chance for redemption, and it all comes through facing down those ghosts, that ghost story, so powerful. Now, Dickens was not the first to tell a Christmas ghost story, not by a long shot. He just mastered it. Uh, it was a tradition that had been going on for years and years at that point. He just took it to a whole other level. You know, I was I was going to ask you, do we have any sense of how Dickens was inspired to write that particular story the way he did? Um, you know, is there something else along the way that tips his hand a little bit as to how he decided to write this, or don't we know? Well, if you saw the movie, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, it's, it's very romanticized, uh, you know, as far as how... Yeah, you know how, how it, it it sort of all got inspired and things like that. Um, but it was uh, it, it, it's I, I think you know it, to some degree we're all Scrooge, right? And that's what Dickens understood. Scrooge is us. We get older, we get more cranky, we get more miserly. Right. Year after year, we lose our way. Uh, we lose the childhood magic, and so did he. Um, you know, he he had his own troubles. He had debts and bills and all that other stuff. And so, um, uh, so I, you know, I think he took inspiration from his own life, from his own childhood, his own memories, because um, that's what authors do. You know, that's what that, that's that's where you you reach in. And it, he just he hit something. He hits he hit gold, and and we all could relate to it. Um, but that's it. I mean, yeah, uh, dude, you haven't had a boss like that in your life. I was a like, bo- I was a boss like that. <laughs> you were, yeah. See, and, and what melted your heart? What did it? Um, you know, it's just the right set of circumstances that uh, that come together, and you start to get it. You know, there's a point where yeah. you just kind of get it. You know. Of course, no. I've I've worked for people like that where you're just. I mean, they, they don't see it. I mean, you could show them the movie and be like, you know, that's you, right? <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> like, no, it can't possibly be me. I'm I'm great. I'm super kind. You know, uh, but um, but the reality is that's that's we've we've all worked for Scrooge, and uh, and 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 to some degree we've all been Scrooge. And and that's the thing that we got to fight against. And I think that's one of the things that is offered to us 
uh, every year. You know, it's it's offered to us every day, but we get reminded of it at a holiday like Christmas, at a time like New Year's, you know, where you, you make your resolutions or whatever. You you start to take stock. You know, the year slows down and you say, all right, what, what am I doing with my life? What do I want to do? What do I want to be? And we, we have to visit ourselves and our pasts. And sometimes it's not a pretty picture when you're going to face that stuff down for anybody. Um, but hopefully you come out on the other side and you, you're better for it. I happen to note uh, somewhere along the way in the stuff I was reading in preparation for tonight's discussion that you even admitted that you're uh, getting a little more scroogey every year. Hell yeah, I am. I mean, God, it happens. I mean, you get older, you've got, you got a family, and you've got mortgage and bills and yeah. jobs, and you're, just, you're so inundated with all that stuff that life just feels like a series of tasks. You wonder where yourself is in all that. You know, you, you're, I, I know for me, all this started, my, my infatuation with the dark side of the holiday started, it was like four or five years ago. I was literally hanging the wreath on my front door, and I was, I was just annoyed by it. I'm like, oh, this is another thing I have to do today. I've got to put up the lights and put up the thing, and we've got a grocery shop, and I've got to do the, you know, take care of this and that. It's all the, it was just this long list of chores, and there was no joy in it whatsoever. And I'm like, man, why am I even doing it? And then when I started to investigate that and started to research the holiday, I went, oh, I'm doing it because the Norse god Odin has vanquished many horrible creatures who are screaming in the night and trying to get into our homes. And these (laughs) these wreaths, these evergreens, help keep them out. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's way cooler than just putting up a wreath and, and, you know, just to keep up with the neighbors. Um, Maybe they don't even know that. And then just one story led to another, and you realize – how can we how can we enjoy the the joy of this holiday, the light of it, the the Santa Claus and all that stuff, without also understanding there's the dark side, and we've whitewashed this holiday. It's it's all of us. It's a collective thing. No, you know, we're all guilty. But I think this stuff is creeping back. It's creeping back because of movies, because of, of we're talking about it again. Um, it, it's seeping back in because I think we understand we need the consequence, right? It's not just not just the gift giving. We also need the consequence. We have about uh, 20 seconds before we have to go to break, but I'll ask you this final question about A Christmas Carol. Which of the uh, film versions are you most fond of? Do you have a favorite? Yep. Uh, Alistair Sim. It was, it was either 1951 or 1953. I feel like that one nails it above all others. That and Scrooge with Bill Murray. <laughs> I keep hearing that Bill Murray uh, version coming up quite often. Now, you've got uh, something pretty special going on right now with this creepy Christmas. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime, right, Jeff? Yeah, we you know I've been talking about this for so long. I um I do a show called New England Legends for PBS and Amazon Prime, and it's uh it's just eight episodes. But we just literally a, a week ago put up our Creepy Christmas uh, holiday special, and it's it's so much fun. We explore um, not only the origins of the holiday, get to interview Santa Claus. We sat down with the actual guy, the big man himself. Wow, of course. The, the one that's at Yankee Candles headquarters in Deerfield, Massachusetts. And um, and he was amazing talking about his life. And then uh, got to go to the uh, Krampus Society of New England's annual Krampus Ball in Providence, Rhode Island. And that was pretty amazing to be surrounded by, I don't know how many, 30 or 40 Krampuses, Krampi. I don't know what the plural <laughs> is there. but um, there, and, and there was a live goat there, which is um, from now on, that's my new policy. I'll only go to parties where there's a live goat. Um, and it's it's just such a fun adventure, uh, just seeing that these these creatures, these these darker entities, are kind of making a comeback um, throughout throughout the region, really. 
As we get into talking about these um, stories, these legends, this folklore, um, do you think the common thread through all of this is that these stories were designed to make people, specifically children, uh, behave to make them uh, perform in some manner of uh, behavior that uh, either society or parents wanted? I think they were adapted for that. I think first and foremost, uh, we've always had monsters, always. We still do today. I mean, uh, you know, we, we could name a list of serial killers and uh, mass murderers and right. things like that, that that are monsters, you know, absolute monsters. And I think the reason we talk about monsters in the abstract and have for thousands of years is because we all know, especially us adults, that they really do lurk out there. And there are dangers that can be uh, hidden. And, um, and so I think sometimes we use these stories as a way to prepare us for the monsters that are in the real, the real world. Um, that being said, of course, <laughs> we use them to, uh, to make our lives easier. And if it's like, hey, you better behave or, you know, Krampus is going to get you. <laughs> As a parent, you do what you've got to do to survive, man. <laughs> you know, like when, you're, when your kid's acting up. Uh, when I was a kid, it was just, hey, Santa's watching, and you're not going to get presents this year unless you behave. And, that, you know, that, that has some effect, but it's not quite the same as, hey, Krampus is watching, and if you don't behave, you're going to die. <laughs> Wow. What has a little more impact? He's going to snatch you away from us. We're not going to be able to stop him. What can we do? He's Krampus. He's going to snatch you right out of your bed, stuff you in a burlap sack, and carry you to the mountains and eat you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it seems like uh, people, uh, kids would uh, start to fear Christmas approaching as opposed to looking forward to it uh, with, with stories right. like that to think about. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? That's, I mean, it is a dark and scary time of year. We take so much for granted today. It wasn't that long ago. That we were jo- we, I live just south of Boston, and we got a little snowstorm the other day. And, of course, everyone runs to the – I know you live in a northern climate as well. Everyone runs to the grocery store. they got to get the bread and the milk, right? It, yeah. It, like, it's kingdom come. The worst storm we've had in my lifetime dumped like three feet on us. And within one day, the roads are clear and you can get out again, which right. is amazing, right? Like hats off to the, all the guys and women that are out there making that happen. But 100 years ago, if you got three feet of snow and it stayed cold, you could be stuck inside for, you know, who knows? Right. You could be stuck inside for weeks. And, and do you have enough firewood to burn? Can you get to firewood to, to keep warm? Do you have enough food? Can you hunt an animal in three feet of snow? Are you elderly? I mean, that that is a real monster waiting for you. No electricity? I mean, no electricity? That's right. Yeah, no electricity, no cable, no Amazon Prime video, none of that. <laughs> Right. You know, you, you literally were, were at the mercy of the elements. And a storm, if you lived a little bit outside of town and a road was just covered in snow and you couldn't get a wagon down there or even a horse, you were out of luck. Uh, you got to keep your sanity. you got to, you know, have enough food and all that other stuff. It was a life-and-death situation every single snowstorm. We forget that now because our, our world is so modern and taken care of. But it just wasn't that long ago where that, that was a real fear for people. Let's talk a second about this tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas time. You know, you referenced the song. What is it? Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Is that the yeah, the right. song that the Andy lyric, Williams? Yeah, the lyric comes from telling ghost stories. Um, that tradition you said goes back a very, very long time. What's the connection? Why were ghost stories popular, and when did we stop doing that? 
I can yeah I can answer all that. So <laughs> the uh, it started with the, the the festival of Yule in the Nordic part of the world. They noticed that in in winter time there's a sound that you just don't hear the other three seasons. It's this howling wind, the the kind of wind that only comes when it's whipping through naked trees. You know, in the summer, there's leaves and things like that. Right. It, it makes more like a shush sound, right? But in the winter, it screams, it howls, it whips, and it bites because it's cold. And they hear voices in the wind. They would hear cries and screams. They were sure these are ghosts. And so they had to protect themselves from those ghosts. That is a, that's a time. That's a time for hauntings, for sure. Um, you know, think of Pose the Raven. Uh, which is one of the most haunting poems ever written. It's set, I remember the bleak December, right? It's set in December. Right. Winter is a scary time. So in the, in, in the 1800s, especially in England, ghost stories at Christmas were just a huge part of the tradition. And every year, the magazines would publish them for people to read around the fireplace uh, on Christmas. They would read these stories that were published, and authors were clamoring to write a great Christmas ghost story. Uh, and Dickens was no different. Dickens saw this and said, I th- I, let me try my hand at it. So that he was just, he, he took it to a whole other level, and his is the one we remember. Those ghost stories continued all the way into the 19-teens, 1920s, but then something happened, and that was the Great Depression in America, and, and, and of course it affected the, the whole global economy. In the 1930s, when we're starting to come out of the Great Depression, that's the moment, that's the line in the sand where Santa Claus starts to emerge as a first a corporate shill for Coca-Cola, right? I mean, that's the Coca-Cola company started using him to sell Coke, mm-hmm. uh, and then he was used in advertisements. And the only way out of an economic depression is to spend money. Economists knew that. It's true then. It's true today. The only way out of depressions or recessions is for everyone to just feel confident enough to go spend money, and that gets the economy moving. So uh, we're starting to come out of the Great Depression, and Christmas becomes this very big deal. The, the other thing to remember is that the holiday of Thanksgiving was always supposed to be celebrated on the last Thursday of November, That ever since uh, Lincoln uh, made it a, an official national holiday, it was the last Thursday of November. That's when it was supposed to be celebrated. That changed in the 1930s because businesses started lobbying the president saying, dude, we need more time between Thanksgiving and Christmas for shopping. This is, this is the season that puts us in the black for profits for the year. And so the president figures what's good for the economy is good for America. And Thanksgiving was moved to the second to last Thursday of the, of the fourth Thursday of the month, rather, the fourth Thursday of the month to give more time for Christmas shopping. This is when everything starts to go toward like commercial, spend money, uh, Santa's this jolly figure, Krampus cards start to go away, the dark side starts to go away, and it's all about this is joy, we spend money, we buy gifts, this is what this is all about. That was the time when everything changed. A lot of these uh, characters we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, Krampus and others, kind of have an affiliation with Santa. So let's talk about Santa for a minute. Who was yeah. he? I mean, you did the official interview, so you got to know. He was amazing. Oh, my God. So uh, uh, Nicholas was born in Myra, which is modern-day Turkey. And Nicholas came from a, a wealthy family, and he was an orphan. And instead of living off of his wealth, he decided to just give it away. He joined the priesthood and, and gave his wealth away because it made him feel good. And he would 
seek out people in need. He would, uh, people would leave their shoes or their socks out to dry at night, and he would slip money in them and things like that, or gifts, whatever they needed. And he just took great joy in giving away his wealth. Uh, after uh, after he passed on, he became Saint Nicholas, and they started naming churches after him. And his day of death is December 6, 343 A.D. That's the day that he's venerated. That's the day he's celebrated. That's Saint Nicholas Day uh, in many parts of Europe to this day. And that's the day Saint Nicholas comes to bring presents. And Saint Nicholas, of course, had cohorts: Krampus, Belschnickel, uh, the uh, Black Peter. These these. Uh, Darker figures, um, uh, Père Futar in France, right? They're his cohorts. So this is good cop, bad cop. Santa's the good cop. These other guys are the bad cop. They deal with the naughty kids so Santa can deal with just the good ones and keep his hands clean. But they are absolutely partners. They're not uh, enemies in any way. They work together. We know Coca-Cola created what we would consider to be, I guess, the modern image of Santa. Did, did Coca-Cola do that around the world? Yeah, so... A lot was happening. Uh, Thomas Nass from uh, Harper's Magazine started, uh, you know, drew Santa as more of like this, this heavier set, jolly old elf kind of guy. Um, and, and and you also, you know, you can't say enough about the um, the poem by Clement Moore, "Twas right. the Night Before Christmas." Right. That came out in nineteen, uh, excuse me, eighteen twenty three, and uh, originally published anonymously in Troy, New York. That poem. Define like he laughed with a, like a bowl full of jelly. So uh, Coca-Cola didn't purely invent it, right? He, it, Coca-Cola was building off of "Twas the Night Before Christmas" in 1823, the uh, Thomas Nast illustrations in the late 1800s. They just took it to the next level, which was to make it a red suit with the white trim, the big white beard, and make him kind of a, a bigger figure. But they, you know, they were they were following a trend that went back a hundred years before that. But they really, when you think of Santa Claus today, the Coca-Cola company has so much to do with what you're picturing in your head. I have to uh, share a bit of a story here. My son is in Holland uh, going to grad school. And uh, the reason he went to Holland to go to grad school is because in undergrad school here in the States, he met a foreign exchange student who uh, was attending for one semester, and she went back to Holland to to finish her schooling, and he wanted to go follow her. So... Um, when they they came and visited last Christmas, um, after he, uh, he, actually he hadn't quite gone, he hadn't he'd been over a few times but hadn't gone to school yet. But anyway, um, and they brought back all of this stuff related to Black Pete. Yeah. Now Black Pete is one of Santa's helpers, and by American standards in today's climate, I think um, you know most Americans would be appalled at what this stuff is. Um, but the Dutch celebrate Black Pete, and um, Black Pete is, like you said, the bad cop in the relationship here. Uh, he's not quite as sinister as maybe a Krampus or a Belsnickel, but um, he handles the bad kids. No, but he's he's going to go away, I promise you, because, you know, it's racist here. It's racist there, too. I mean, there, there's there's national um, – just so people understand the backstory of Black Peter, Black Peter was a slave. And Santa rescued him. He was a slave child. And Santa rescued him only to more or less make him work for Santa forever, <laughs> which is, I don't, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and in parades today, he's always depicted as a white person in blackface. Blackface, that's right. 
And, and that's and I mean, that's racist. That's racist by any global standard that you want, you want to measure it. And there have been protests now for years saying like we can't we can't do this. And plus, people don't want to think about Santa enslaving right. uh, anybody. You know that he enslaves elves, not people. Right? That's that's his thing. Yeah. So um, so I I think what you're going to see is uh, over time, especially in Holland. Uh, it's, it's, he's just going to go away because it's, it's not a it's not a good it's not a pleasant story. But the folklore of it is that yes, Black Peter would go with Santa, and he would deal with the bad kids. Now he could do anything from like giving you a, a talking to to maybe slap you around a little bit. And in the most <laughs> extreme extreme cases, Black Peter could indeed be lethal, but uh, only uh, on very rare occasions if the kid was just that bad. Well, I know that you don't have, uh, because you're on the phone with us for this particular interview, I know you don't have uh, access to the YouTube channel, but I'm actually going to play a video during the break on our YouTube channel that uh, actually shows a bunch of Black Pete's arriving. My son shot this video and sent it to me um, because he thought it was quite interesting, and you'll get an idea of what it is. And St. Nick is there, and uh, all the Black Pete's are coming along with him. Uh, but, Jeff, the, the traditions and the things we're going to be talking about in the next hour, not so happy, not quite as happy as Charlie Brown Christmas, right? <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, but memorable, and that's what counts, right? <laughs> as that's long a, as you remember. That is what counts. We have This is a short segment. We've only got a couple minutes because we went long in the last segment. Um, but let's talk about Christmas globally. And uh, do these stories, the type that we're going to speak about tonight, let's take America out of it because of the melting pot, pot situation where we borrow a little bit from everybody. But do these stories permeate the globe? Some do, sure, and and some are you know super regional. Like there's there's the the Welsh Matty Lord, the uh, this gray mare that rises from the grave on Christmas Eve, that seems pretty much uh, that's, you know centralized into just Wales, not even all of the UK. Uh, and then others, I think, spread because they're just they're they're popular. Uh, Krampus caught on, you know. Krampus caught on beyond Germany. Uh, Belschnickel caught on beyond Germany. Um, so I think wherever the European influence followed, so too did those those monsters. You know, where the Europeans went, they took their, their creatures with them. We've got about a minute and a half here before the break. Uh, we'll get into Krampus on the other side in, in, in detail. However, how old does the Krampus legend go back? Well, I mean, you know, realistically, he goes back thousands of years if you want to talk about, like, Pan, right? The Pan character from right. like Greek mythology. You know, I mean, that's uh, his roots go back that far. And then uh, when they started to call him Krampus, I mean, that that's only a few centuries during the Protestant Reformation. A lot of these old monsters had to go. So it's it's really uh, you know, but but the origins go back thousands of years easily. Does the church or did the church, let's say prior uh, pre Reformation, did the church um, accept and and acknowledge these stories? I, I think the Catholic Church has a, a tricky relationship with all this stuff, because on the one hand, uh, if something scares you to church, then it's a good thing, right? right. I mean, uh, Catholicism, and I, I say that as a person raised Catholic, loves that there's a devil and demons and purgatory and all this stuff to kind of scare us into the church pews. Um, I, I think something's lost when you don't have that darker side um, to bring up. But at the same time, they are pagan. And so I think, you know, even 
after the Reformation, the, the Christian leaders were like, look, we've got to lose these pagan ways. It's one thing to call them just stories, but it's another to really uh, believe in them. And so I think they always struggle with that, struggle with anything that takes away from the, the canon. In the uh, 20 seconds we have here before we have to go to break, let people know where they can get more information about all of your work, because there's so much stuff. Yeah, well, my website, jeffbelanger.com, but also the uh, the whole series, including the Creepy Christmas episode, is on Amazon Prime. If you're a Prime member, it's free. If you're not, it's like 99 cents, I think, to uh, to download it. And, uh, and it's also uh, the New England Legends podcast, which I've been doing every week for over two years, just these short stories. And we've covered some of these Christmas, creepy Christmas uh, stories in, in the uh, holiday podcast as well. So... Um, and also my books are on Amazon and, and in bookstores everywhere. A quick reminder, go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, because it's a great way to participate in the program. We stream live there. Plus, there's an archive of about 450 back episodes of the show. Just go to Beyond Re- or go to uh, YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson. You'll find it. And uh, subscribe, please. There's no obligation or fee or anything. Just click of a button and you're all set. You'll be part of our online community there. Plus, there's a great chat room. When the show streams live, you'll be able to participate in that as well. Um, Also, like us on Facebook. And, uh, Jeff, the moment of truth has come. Let's start talking about Krampus. Tell us who this creature, who, if anybody has seen Hollywood's version, certainly scary enough, but probably even scarier from from the legend and the folklore. Tell us who Krampus is. Krampus is a monster. He's a hairy man with hooves for feet. He's got horns coming out of his head. He's got a long red forked tongue. He's wrapped in chains so you can hear him coming. And he carries either a a basket or a burlap sack where he snatches up naughty children, stuffs them in the basket, and takes them all back to his lair in order to kill them. And the thing is, he comes on a very specific day, December 5th. Because December 6th is St. Nicholas Day, so the 5th is Krampus Day. That's the day Krampus comes, and if you somehow manage to survive that day, then you're, you're probably going to be okay uh, for another year at least. And, and given that we're already past uh, December 5th, we've made it, um, you know, and, and maybe a moment of silence for those who haven't. So, he, so Krampus comes on the 5th of December, kind of cleans up things a little bit right. before, Krampus, before uh, Santa shows up. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, you know, it must be good to be Santa, right? You show up and uh, oh, here's presents for all the good girls and boys because that's all that's left. There's no there's no bad ones around. They've been cleaned up by Krampus. He's done the dirty work, and now it's just good girls and boys. And all I can imagine was, I mean, I actually got to interview a guy at the the Krampus ball, which was amazing. He said when he was a kid, his mother was from Austria, and they had Krampus and Saint Nicholas would visit at Christmas time every year. That was a tradition, and he said it was terrifying. He's like. You know, there's St. Nicholas, and you're so happy, but then right behind him was Krampus. And, you know, this this guy was he's younger than us, you know. I mean, he was probably in his 30s. So, I mean, he grew up with this not that long ago. And I think, wow, that's that's kind of amazing, right? Like, there's the yin and yang right there for you. And if you really are scared, I, I mean, I, we have to all remember being kids and wondering at, when it's Christmas Eve, like, well, have I been good? Will I get any presents at all? Will I get coal or sticks in my stocking? You know, you get those nerves. You think you've been pretty good. But sure. I did break that lamp over the summer, and Mom did like that lamp. And, you know, you, I fought with my sister, whatever. And uh, But imagine if it's December 5th. And you're a little German kid 100 years ago, <laughs> you know, oh, and, man. And, and you, hey, it's almost time for bed. <laughs> and dad's downstairs <laughs> rattling some chains. <laughs> Darn right he is, right? Yeah, just like, oh, oh, what's that? Oh, nothing. Just, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. 
And you're you're laying in bed just shivering with fear, you know, just waiting. Like, will will the sun come up? Will I ever see daylight again? Or is this it? Is this the end for me? That must have just been just uh, horrifying. I I can only imagine. You know, we we know what the origin of St. Nicholas slash Santa is. This description you gave us of Krampus sounds very, very demonic. Do we know what the origin of, of that creature is? So, so Pan, the 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 um, the creature from like Greek folklore and, right. and things like that. He, you know, he the Pan flute. He's he's got the horns, the yep. upper torso of a, of a man. He's got the hooves, like you know, like feet. I mean, that's Pan. It's where we get the word panic. Uh, okay. comes from, from Pan. And Pan was not necessarily evil at all. It's just once once the, the Catholic Church started to Christianize the world, it that became sort of a devil figure, right? It represented uh, chaos. That's that's what Pan was, you know, and, and so chaos is bad, and, and we represent order, and so that's the devil. That's, that's the devil figure. Uh, it, it, when people picture the devil, the, the, the man with horns and the hooves and all that, that's the pan figure. So um, it's not really fair to call Krampus evil. He's not. He's he's doing very just and noble work. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's he's out there cleaning up the bad guys, um, and that's that's what his task is. You don't have to like it. It doesn't have to look pretty, but I I wouldn't call him evil, and and nor would I call Pan evil. He was just chaotic, um, but we we relabeled him somewhere along the way. And so I don't think it's fair. It's calling him demonic is is the same thing that uh, you know our, our Roman Catholic ancestors did centuries ago when they were trying to explain to everybody what's right and what's wrong to to a culture that's illiterate and doesn't have access, of course, to mass media because it hasn't been invented yet. It's all, all you have are stories, and you have to explain to them that yeah, your old ways, those old gods, those old creatures, the Fey folk, uh, you know these half half breeds of uh, half human, half horse, half bird, whatever, they, they've all got to go because they are, they're, they're not of us, so they must be demonic. So, uh, so to me, that's, that's, that's more a label that we're, we're using to try to get pagan people to, to move away from it. But, but if you look at his behavior, uh, to me, a demon just is out to hurt people and, and, and hurt good people if they can, right? Like that's the grand prize, take a good person and hurt them. Right. Krampus isn't going to hurt a good person. You're safe. Uh, it's the bad ones that have to worry. Good point. Now, you um, you attended one of these Krampus balls. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about it, and, and also uh, help us understand why they've become so popular. Well, people do uh, Krampus balls. They do Krampus runs. Um, yep. You know, this has really become um, it, it's a tradition in its own right here in the United States. Yeah, so I found out about it. Uh, it was a couple years ago. And I got in touch with, um, you know, it's it's a small world, right? And so um, the guy that runs the, the whole Krampus Society of New England is also a tour guide and docent at the Lizzie Borden House, which is, you know, oh, wow, haunted. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, yeah, man, we met at the Lizzie House. I was like, oh, my God, of course we did, you know. Uh, and so uh, he runs this thing. And so what they do is they'll they'll kind of do this parade down the street in Providence, and then they, they meet in a hall. And... Uh, the, the year I went, the year we filmed, um, there was, I mean, like, like literally like 30-plus Krampuses. And some of the costumes were, ama- I mean, serious investment of time and money 
uh, putting these things together. And I get it. Some of these folks are doing cosplay the rest of the year, and that night they were Krampus. But uh, but it, it just keeps getting bigger, and they raise money for charity, and you know they, they have contests for you know who's the best looking Krampus, and everybody cheers to vote. They have food, and there's beer, and all this other stuff. It was great. I mean, it was such a such a cool time. Um, but the best part was was just talking to people like, why do you do it? And you know, people would joke like, well, I'm on the naughty list anyway. I might as well just fully embrace it. And uh, you know, I get that. But I think also there's something very primal about this. You know, when you go to the mall as a kid and you wait in line to see Santa Claus, man, that's just so saccharine sweet. You know, yeah. it's so manufactured and it's so commercialized. You go to a Krampus ball. <laughs> that's, that's a different thing. Like you, you're you're getting to the primal part of it. Um, I loved it. I, I I completely loved it. I I thought this is this is really cool. I love that I'm doing this at Christmas time. And um, I mean, if my daughter is almost 13 years old now, and I, I don't know if they have an age limit on these things, but but she's raring to go too. She's like, I want to go to the Krampus Ball, and I'm like, I want to take you. <laughs> like, I just don't know if I'm allowed. It's uh, it's great. Before we move on, um, I have a, a confession to make. I have not seen the movie that came out. I don't know how many oh. years ago now it was. The Krampus. 2015. Was yeah. it 2015? I haven't seen that film. Um, I'm assuming you have by the gasp. And yes. how true does it stay to the legend? Okay, I'm I'm the worst person to give a review of this movie. I loved it, but I'm so 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 biased. I was so thrilled to see Krampus on the big screen. I saw it, you know, first when it came out. I've seen it, you know, on video, everything. It's so a uh, video. There's no such thing anymore. So, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think they nailed the spirit of what he is. They they nailed that part. Now, of course, it's a Hollywood movie, and as with many horror movies, it. it delves into comedy, right? It gets sort of comical how silly some of the right. some of the attacks are and things like that. But uh, what what the creature looked like, and ultimately, I don't want to ruin anything, but like ultimately, I think they really nailed what he is. He he was there. I mean, to save Christmas, he did. He does. I, I, you should see it. I think you should have like, it's a wonderful life. Krampus and then like creepy Christmas like that could be your like trifecta gets a eggnog and you are you are all set that sounds like the perfect night yeah totally let's talk in this particular segment uh, about Bellsnickel because this is another one that um, well they're all interesting so this is no exception <laughs> Yeah, so the Belschnickel, if Krampus is a little too much for you and your family, like, you know, you don't want to tell your kids that their lives are in danger, then maybe the Belschnickel's for you. Uh, <laughs> the Belschnickel literally means Nicholas and Furs. And uh, during the, the Protestant Reformation, the, the Protestants were trying to do away with all the Catholic saints. St. Nicholas is the most popular, was then, is now, right? It's, it's the one everybody knows. He brought the gifts. But they still wanted someone to bring the gifts, but they also wanted someone to give out the punishment. So Belsnickel would be uh, dressed in furs, his face would be covered in soot, and he would show up uh, anytime, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas, anytime in there, and he might ask, are there any good children in the house? And you might say, yeah, little Mary here has been an angel all year, and Mary might get a little present or might get some candy. And he'd ask, are there any bad children in the house? And they'd say, yes, well, little J.V. Johnson over there, he's been naughty all year. And so the Belschnickel would take little J.V. out to the backyard and tie him up to a tree and beat his ass with switch of sticks. Ow. I know. <laughs> and 
and the whole idea was that he could get the he could get the naughty little JV to to, to get right in time for for Christmas and and behave again and and put you know put the kid back on the right track. That's the idea of the Belschnickel. Hugely popular in Pennsylvania Dutch country. The Germans brought him over. Uh, he's he's been around Pennsylvania Dutch country since really the early 1700s, and uh, and he also made it back into popular culture on the show The Office. That's right, uh, Dwight yeah. Schrute mm-hmm. uh, dressed up as Belschnickel at one time. So, uh, so yeah, I think he's come, making a comeback too. And we found this house in uh, Niantic, Connecticut. It's called the Smith Harris House. It's a, one of these historic homes, um, museums, and things like that. And at Christmas time, instead of bringing in Saint Nicholas, they now bring in a Belschnickel. And uh, unfortunately, that Belschnickel won't beat your kid. But uh, he does hand out candy, and he does carry a stick and and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is so cool that someone is choosing to do this, to be a little bit different and bring back a tradition that really never fully went away, but it's just getting bigger again. Does the Germanic culture lend itself to these kind of stories? Because, um, you know, we not only do we have these Christmas time stories, but we've got, you know, the Brothers Grimm and we've got these these Hansel and Gretel and these other fairy tales that are yeah. so dark, so dark. Is it is it German culture and, and German history that, that kind of lends itself to this? It must, because, I, I mean, you know, did you ever hear the story of the Sandman, the original Sandman? I don't think uh, I have. So the, the original version of the Sandman, Der Sandman, uh, goes back to the early 1800s, and uh, in the story, parents would tell their children, Go to bed and shut your eyes because the Sandman's coming. And if your eyes are open when the Sandman arrives, he will blast sand into your eyes, popping your eyeballs out of their head. <laughs> You'll, he'll grab the eyeballs, bring them back to the moon, and feed them to his children with little hooked beaks and eat them up. You'll be blind. Now, in the morning, go ahead and feel the corners of your eyes. If you feel a little sand in there... It's a darn good thing your eyes were shut at night and, wow. and you didn't see the Sandman. Wow. I'm like, man, talk about how to put a kid to bed, right? Wow. <laughs> Think they're asking for three glasses of water and a snack? No. No, close eyes and keep them <laughs> shut at all costs. Hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's quickly jump to our phone line here. Uh, this yeah. is uh, Field Guy from our chat room from Louisiana. Hey, Field Guy. Hello, Jamie. How you doing today? Hey, are you on a speakerphone? Would you, if, if so, pick up, pick up your, your line because we can't hear you very well. I wish I knew how to pull up my phone. This thing's all messed up. All right. Well, um, I can get. Let's let's. What's, what's, what's your question? I'm having trouble hearing you, but I think we can get it. Okay. I just wanted to know. Um. Uh. Ask. Um. Jeff mainly about the. He was talking about the pan stuff in the last. Uh, last segment stuff. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out because I don't really know too much about Krampus and everything. Um, what's the simplest kind of ex- explanation that you can kind of explain it like for a simple person like myself? Of Krampus or Pan? Uh, mainly Pan. Pan, okay. Yeah, no. So, I mean, in Pan, in ancient Greek uh, mythology, he's the he's the god of the wild, the shepherds, the mountain, uh, the wild, rustic music. I mean, he's he's the uh, he's he's kind of chaotic. Um, he's got legs and uh, the the legs of a goat and hooves like a goat. He's got the upper body of a man, and he's got horns on his head. So he's uh, also known as like a fawn or a satyr, which is a, you know, a half man, half goat. So uh, that that figure, I mean, you've seen it in, um, oh, God, what was that? The, the 
the wardrobe, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, right? Like there's, there, there's a pan character in there. And then eventually he became a devil figure. And, and, and really Krampus is just a, a slight evolution of that. So it's just, uh, a, you know, a, a figure from mythology that goes back thousands of years. You know, this is an annual tradition for us to talk about this stuff, and I think the same thing happens every year as we get into get to a point where we've got about 15 minutes left and we've barely scratched the surface. But let's take a few minutes, and, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the obvious ones, but what are some other, uh, you know, Christmas characters that might give us nightmares tonight? I, I think one of the... Uh, one, one of the... One of my favorites comes from Iceland, uh, and it's the Yule Lads. Uh, the Yule Lads show up uh, every single day um, in December, uh, or the latter half of December, and they stay for two weeks each. And depending on the day, a different Yule Lad will show up. So, for example, uh, they started on the 12th of December, and the first one was the, the sheep coat clog, and he's this uh, little creature that comes in and messes with your sheep, and he's going to stay from the 12th to the 25th. And then uh, the gully gawk comes to, to steal your cow's milk, and then there's one called Stubby who comes to uh, lick your dirty kitchen pots clean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so they all they all kind of sneak in at night, and there's one that's like a window peeper and one that's called pot scraper, and he'll come in and he'll find your dirty pots and he'll lick them clean, and it's just kind of creepy. And uh, the bowl liquor, you know, a lot of people would take porridge to bed with them and then set the porridge bowl down uh, uh, on the floor and then get it in the morning only to find that some little creature had licked it clean. Another one is a door slammer uh, that will just slam doors and keep you awake and keep you afraid all night. And another will steal your candles. Another one peeps through your windows. So every day one of these different creatures shows up in Iceland. Um, and, and, um, but Iceland also gave us the Yule Cat, which is a great one too. Uh, the Yule Cat is, is also homicidal. He'll kill you. <laughs> He'll kill you if you're not wearing new clothes on Christmas Day. And the, and the reason is because everybody's supposed to work hard, and if you work hard, you're going to have enough money for nice new clothes, and you should be wearing them on Christmas Day. And if you're not, the Yule Cat will come along and shred you up and kill you because obviously you're, you're, not, uh, you're, you're a lazy person and you're, you're unfit to be you know, wandering around. And so there's a, there's a saying that just like, oh, you know, you're wearing that. The Yule Cat's going to get you. You know, you should be dressed in your finest, your finest new clothes on, on Christmas Day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many. Uh, gosh, the, the Tompton from Sweden and Norway, uh, this little magical elf that, that helps you around the house and around your farm all year long, but he asks for an offering of, of sticky sweet rice pudding on Christmas Eve to be left out for him. And if you don't leave it out, he'll leave you. That's the worst thing he can do, and then you'll have no help at all. So every culture, every country seems to have their own, you know, little version. I remember talking about one in Italy last year that I don't remember the the name of the Italian one. The Bafana. Yes. The yes. Italian Christmas That's, witch. She's yes. wonderful. So she, uh, her story goes back to the, the three wise men moving through the desert trying to find Bethlehem and find the baby Jesus. And they stop at her house one night and, and ask if she knows the way. And she says, I don't, but you're welcome to stay here for the night. And the, the three wise men come in and say, this is just the cleanest, nicest house we've ever stayed in. And so uh, <laughs> she comes around. She flies on a broom. And she delivers toys uh, to, to good girls and boys. But the very best part is that if the Bafana visits you, not only does she leave some gifts behind, she cleans your house. And that's, uh, that's just awesome. I don't know how I get me a Bafana, but I'm working on it. Wow, it sounds like, you know, the, the idea of having someone come help you um, is a pretty common one. 
all these, all these. I mean, the Belschnickel helps you, right? If you don't have the guts to discipline your own kid, the Belschnickel will do it. Right. Krampus helps you. They all help you. They all are here to serve us, right? We wouldn't keep them around if they didn't serve us in some way. We wouldn't tell those stories. And and man, it's a, this is a communal decision. This isn't just a couple people in Hollywood saying, "Hey, let's make a movie" or or anything like that. This is you know, this is society saying. These maybe we need these monsters again. So let's start talking about them, and then you start talking about them, and then suddenly there's a Krampus ball, and there's you know, and then there's a, a radio special where we're talking about all these old monsters again, and and then there's a you know Amazon Prime special called Creepy Christmas, and then there's a movie called Krampus. It just it keeps adding up uh, to the point where I'm I'm I, I know we we'll made we've made it. When you go to the mall, maybe next year, maybe the year after, and there's a line of kids waiting to see Santa, and right next to him is a another line waiting to see Krampus that's when I know <laughs> we're, we're, we're in a good place we have um, uh, you know other other religions that celebrate other holidays around the same time of year and I know that these aren't specifically the ones we've been talking about aren't necessarily specifically tied to Christmas but are there any um, let's talk about the Jewish faith for for Hanukkah are there anything specific to Hanukkah oh man well so there's the Dybbuk right which is a uh, um, a spiritual possession, which, by the way, can be good or bad. There's there's good dibics, you know, um, and then there's also what the the golem, right? The golem is this uh, right. this monster. I don't think it's specific to um, to Hanukkah, but it is specific to Judaism. Uh, the, the, the golem is a you know a, a, a creature, a mythical creature that that rises, you know, out of the air. It's made of clay, right? And then he comes to life. That's right, yep. the golem. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, every every religion has its uh, has its different monsters. You know, uh, the jinn, of course, for for Muslims, and um, you know, there's there's all kinds of creatures of of legend and lore, and all of them serve some sort of purpose, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about them. But uh, but no, I don't think uh, I think I think the Jews have some catching up to do with uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the Christian monsters. So. So as we, um, and I think, as you said, we're kind of turning a corner here, but um, I would say that from my upbringing and my recollection of Christmas, I had no Krampus, I had no Belsnickel, I had none of those types of things. The worst thing I thought I would could expect was maybe coal in my stocking. Um, yeah. You know, given that, have we whitewashed Christmas? We have, and that started, you know, it started with Coca-Cola. It started because we had to save the economy, and we needed Santa to do it. And he did, right? Santa right. gave us that gift. He he saved the economy, saved the the global economy, and turned it into. Uh, I mean, Black Friday is a thing. We we all understand. Like little kids go, oh, it's Black Friday, and and then you explain to them it's called that because that's when retailers go into the black. They become profitable, right? That's that's when they they move from the red to the black, and and uh, become profitable for the rest of the year. Um, and it's become a critical part of our economy, which is, uh, you know, so far removed from, from the very roots, but not too far because it was about like, hey, let's celebrate. We're about to hunker down for the winter. Let's give gifts to each other because, man, if something goes wrong, I might need you, right? I might need to stay at your house for a month or two till the spring if, if my roof collapses, or you might need me. So I think the roots are still in there. We've just sort of lost our way with, you know, the, the over sweet Santa Claus and, and all the other stuff. 
And so I think by telling these stories, by, by telling the ghost stories, and, and, you know, in some respects, too, I mean, come on, Christmas Carol is performed in every theater in America every December. Right. And that is such a powerful story. I watch the movie every year. I actually read the book every year. It's a very short book, but um, I, I, I watch it every year when I need to get into the Christmas spirit because it is a reminder to me, man, don't be scroogey. Yeah. You can, you can be redeemed. You can get through this. You can face your, your past, your present and your future and come out on the other side a better person for it and let this holiday wash over you right let that let that christmas magic enter you again um and it does it for me it does it for me every year that and it's a wonderful life which also was not intended to be a christmas movie per se but also right. has its own paranormal elements you know given the fact an angel appears and 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 shows uh, the the main character uh what the world would have been without him yeah which which is very like you know, I mean, it's almost borrowing a little bit from Dickens too. Sure. But yeah, that, that yeah, and, and it's great, right? All that stuff is great. It, it sometimes we we gotta face our ghosts. Uh, we all do, and that's I mean that's true every day of the year. And I know for me, like your ghosts turn into your demons if you don't deal with them. Um, I remember a, a quote from David Bowie who talked about uh, he creates art, he he writes songs to deal with his ghosts, and then he was very quick to point out, not my demons. My ghosts, because if I don't deal with the ghosts, they become demons. And that's true. That's right. true, I think, of all of us. Dwayne in our chat room wants to know if you're aware of any Cajun characters uh, for Christmas time. Oh, I don't Well, maybe the Rogaru, you know, the, uh, <laughs> puts, on the uh, puts on a Santa hat. I, otherwise, I'm not sure of, uh, if there's any specific to, uh, to Christmas, but the Rogaru is always around. I that's wanna... a great one, though, the werewolf. I want to change the topic just a little bit. We've got about five minutes left, and I want to kind of just go to some general paranormal discussion because there seems to have been a resurgence in uh, paranormal reality television. And, yeah. you know, there's a renewed interest. It kind of ebbed for a while, um, and it seems to be coming back. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it never goes away. I, I mean, I, you know, paranormal TV, uh, years ago, I, I remember hearing a, a TV network executive say that we view paranormal now the way that we view cooking shows. Cooking shows will always be on the air. They might become a little more popular or less popular, but some form of a cooking show will now always be on the air, and they view the paranormal the same way. It does ebb and flow, and I think it's interesting, especially, of course, Travel Channel that's becoming like the all-paranormal channel. Yeah. Um, which, I, I, you know, shoot, man. I like pizza, right? But I don't know if I want to eat pizza every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. And so I'm very curious to see how uh, how it shakes out. And I know, of course, not all the shows are going to make it, but I, I know they've renewed a few of them. Uh, a few of the new shows have gotten renewed, and that's great. And, and they'll, they'll find their audience and find their home. I think anything that keeps the discussion going is always a good thing. I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for people that are that, that were able to talk about these subjects so much more openly than we could when I was a kid, or even when I started doing this 20 years ago. It just it just wasn't out in the open like it is, and that's thanks to television and popular culture. So, I applaud that. I mean, of course, you know, do I love the way everyone's portraying it? No, of course not. But uh, you know, uh, I, I figure if if it gets people asking questions, then I'm on board. Well, I agree with all you've, all you've just said, and I don't want you to put anybody, um, you know, in the crosshairs or under the bus or whatever the phrase is. But is there anyone who um, or any one of these shows that you think is moving the ball forward at all? 
Oh, I, I mean, uh, sure, they all are to some degree, and I know okay. that's a very political answer, but these things are now really getting set to people's specific tastes. And so it would be like me saying, like, oh, I don't like that band. Like, well, someone else does, you right, know? So right. it, so the ones I like and don't like, I, I really do think are, are kind of irrelevant. I, I just think um, I think it's cool that, that people are exploring these stories. And I actually think what's, what's really great is uh, the independent stuff that you're seeing on YouTube, that oh, you're yeah. seeing on Amazon Prime. You know, there's people now saying, like, hey, maybe I don't need a television network. If I've got something to say, I can say it in a podcast. I can say it in a radio show. I can say it in a book, you know? Um, there's a lot of ways to get information out, and I think it's it's pretty awesome that we live in a time when all these avenues are available to us, and uh, and and it's 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 great. I mean, you know, YouTube sensations get born overnight because they're doing something new and innovative, and then all of a sudden, TV networks are trying to catch up. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty you know? it's pretty interesting, and I just have to say that um, you know I I had uh, an event Scaricon in October, and I brought my first quote unquote YouTube celebrities into the show, and I was amazed at how popular they were. I mean, I just, you know, you don't think of what would be considered an amateur video channel um, of creating superstars, but these these folks truly were superstars, and I was really impressed. Well, I mean, hey, some of those some of those YouTube channels, if they get like four, five, six million downloads, that is way more than a than a network show. Like way more. That's a like great. That, that, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's just just purely by numbers, they're reaching more people than than a, a network show on travel or discovery or whatever. That's just reality. Um, okay, so this I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but I think you've got an answer ready to go here. Um, what is uh, give Give us your Christmas uh, hit list as far as films that we all should be watching in the next few nights in the next week. Oh, yeah, you, you've got to watch A Christmas Carol, whatever version you like. There's so many. You can go from the Muppets to Disney to, you know, I prefer the Alistair Sim version. That's my very favorite because I think it, it still holds up or Scrooge or whatever. Uh, I think that's great. You really, I really believe people should watch the Krampus movie if you haven't because it's just so fun and it and it does nail the spirit uh, of what that what he represents and that he's ultimately here to help us, not to hurt us. And uh, and then you know shoot I, I mean Christmas Vacation I can't I can't get through a December without watching that it's a great um, one yeah got to do it got to do it and and come on man the brand new New England Legends creepy Christmas special that's it those go watch all those all right remi- good. remind folks where they can watch the creepy Christmas special it's on Amazon Prime Video right now uh, for free if you're a Prime member and again ninety nine cents if you're not you can uh, you can download it and um, you just just go search for New England Legends you'll find the series there's eight episodes up now and you can go watch all of them but uh, but the creepy Christmas one was it's I love it because as a kid I loved when my favorite TV shows did a Christmas special and I'm just so proud to like have my own you know so thrilled that it just came out Jeff I'm going to use your song I think my Christmas tree is haunted as our next bump. Song. We're not going to be able to get through the whole thing. It's a four-minute song, um, but I'll use it on both sides of the break. But thank you so much for being here with us tonight. It's become a holiday tradition. I love it, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Good talking to you again, JV. Again, make sure you go to the YouTube page. Uh, go to YouTube and uh, subscribe. Just search for JV Johnson. You'll find it there. Make sure you subscribe and uh, click the notification icon. You'll be able to be alerted when we put new content up or we stream live or whatever it happens to be. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll catch you tomorrow night.
Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at J.V.J. Paranormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.